What's up, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades? I hope you are excellent wherever you're at. Happy New Year once again. Today, I bring to you a different kind of show on the beer bug, which we haven't spoken about too much in the latter part of 2021 or early 2022. But recently, a interesting moment-by-moment uh, moment conversational breakdown between Joe Rogan and Dr. Peter McCullough occurred with funny, uh, would-be analytic commentary by this guy who calls himself Z-Dog MD, who's a respected scientist, um, um, doctor at Stanford. And today, to help me to piece out the post-analysis uh, analysis is my friend, Steve Rummelsberg. How the heck are you doing today, Steve? I'm good, Tim. It's good to see you again. Yeah, you you could to see you too as always. You contacted me. You're like, look, we have to do this. It's this, you know, Stanford MD trying to do argumentative analysis. He's making all kinds of funky recourse to uh, formal and informal fallacies, which he clearly doesn't understand. He's affecting a kind of false middle position as between, I guess. Joe Rogan and Dr. Peter McCullough, who I think are, are, you know, especially Dr. McCullough, have been quite reasonable on the beer bug and the psyop on the mainstream secular left, the rest of the world, pretty much. He's saying that he has this false, he's saying that he has this middle position, which is a false middle position. And I think you pointed out right before we went on, he says he wants to be somewhere in the alt middle. He said, I, you, you know, the one way to know you have the truth or something like that, is if you know you're in the alt-middle between the two hardened ideological poles, which are committed to something other than truth. And, and he's tossing Dr. Peter McCullough as a, uh, in with the right-wingers who are solidified, crystallized in some position, which will preclude them from seeing the truth. Is that right? That's right. The, the interesting thing is that this guy, Z-Dog MD, he's a very appealing guy. He's an associate professor at Stanford. He was a physician on the front lines for 10 years. He's an internet personality and he's a rapper, by the way, just so you know. And that he's guy's a rapper. Okay. He's a rapper. He sets this thing up, though. He nope. says, look, you got misinformation on the left. You got the government lying to you, Fauci lying, the mandates, all these are terrible. And, and I agree with Peter McCall on that. But then you have misinformation on the right from the conservatives, and they're both equally bad. And this right. is where he gets his come join the tribe of the alt middle, where truth is processed. It's the strangest thing ever. But here was my concern. And the reason I wanted to talk to you about this is that this guy sounds like he's he's knows what he's talking about. He's, yeah, he he's authoritative. He's a, he's a, he's appealing. He's a great speaker. And he's obviously intelligent. My problem is that the things he says come from a worldview that that make his premises and conclusions false. Right. That's my concern. And, and these are hard things to see, especially in an age of, I guess you could call it an age of misinformation, but I think even that is somewhat of an ad hominem attack. Just to say somebody, that's misinformation. That's a loaded term today. Instead of saying that statement's not true, this statement is true. And those are the things we should be trying to discover. Right. Dr. Dr. Z, I guess he's a friend of Dr. Dre's or something, if he's a rapper, right? He begins <laughs> this breakdown by stating the following, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, and then I'm going to play you what he actually says, that if Dr. McCullough, who 
Dr. Z equivocates a bit on as to whether or not Dr. Peter McCullough, who I'm in, I'm in a documentary with, I, I, I think he's doing good work. He equivocates as to whether or not Dr. McCullough is a certified bona fide expert. And, and Dr. Z makes a lot of this question as to whether or not someone's a true expert. It's really, really important to him. Okay. But what he essentially starts out saying is that if one ever makes the claim uh, parallel to concomitant with um, any worldview, which expresses that there is a massive conspiracy afoot, the way Dr. Peter McCullough is, is allying himself with those who see a, a massive worldwide conspiracy afoot vis-a-vis -vis the beer bug, then that person, like Dr. Peter McCullough, is very close to necessarily wrong. And this is such bad and dangerous reasoning that... Um, that, that we have to call it, call it out in opening here. Okay, yes. so here, let me show you what he says. Here it is. To stifle the truth, that there's a persecuted minority that's fighting for the truth, and that um, this is all a coordinated effort to hide something by powers that be or profit-motivated motivated interest. Now, why is that a problem? Well, because you shouldn't ever have to rely on that if you have actual science data and reason to support your viewpoint. You should not have to appeal to conspiracy. So that's okay, so if, if what, what he says is you should not have to make an appeal to... Uh, you know, it's symptom. Uh, sy um, I'm sorry, uh, like a conclusion which follows uh, a, a propositional structure um, that is basically that, that there's a big uh, conspiracy afoot. And if you do, if this is your conclusion, that there's essentially no way to premise it in a way that would be propositionally valid. And he doesn't actually say that, but he's he's making a lot of allusions to major premises, minor premises, informal logical fallacies. So he sounds like a logician and he's borrowing the parlances of logicians. And, you know, I played you him saying it right here. My big problem is that Dr. Peter McCullough says, hey, look, I have a lot of data that shows that or, or that that very strongly supports the view, I should say, that there is a massive conspiracy uh, underway. Yes. And the, the biggest piece of information in support of this conspiracy is something I've never even heard Dr. McCullough talk about. I certainly didn't hear Dr. Z talk about. It's this. I want to get this out of the way uh, up front. Last April, the Epic Times ran an article um, called CDC Skewed CCP Virus Fatalities Higher Peer-Reviewed Study Claims. And essentially, what it shows is strong evidence of some sort of skullduggery afoot with the CDC lying through numbers. And, and, and here's what it is. I just want to read you a piece of this. I would love to hear how Dr. Z responds to this data, this uh, peer-reviewed study, which found that the CDC essentially had created two categories for... Um, um, deaths from pathologies, all other diseases in the history of mankind, call them A, where they use some basic uh, correlative math to show what it requires, what the conditions for the possibility of being said to have died of X disease was, and then call them B, COVID. And, and when you applied column A to column B, why, why is this sui generis, COVID? Why would it alone 
constitute its own column of correlative data for showing that you actually died of it. Right. Um, when you apply A to B, the numbers of COVID deaths drop by about 17-fold. Um, it says this, based on data of U.S. deaths through August 23rd, 2020, the new CDC system counted 161,392 deaths that were attributed to the virus with this column B, this new column That's right. of, uh, of pathological deaths. Using the older system, if we use the system that had been in place for as long as we've had a CDC, where AIDS, cancer, heart deaths, gardening accidents, whatever, the older system, category A, the number of COVID deaths would drop to 9,684 for that period. It's a period of about four months. So you go from 161,392 to 9,684, about 17 times smaller. This is evidence of a lying by numbers conspiracy. And I don't know if, if one said that, if Dr. Peter McCullough were to come on my show and just read this Epic Times article from early April of last year, then I guess by the standards adumbrated by Dr. Z, he would ipso facto be wrong. Is, is, that's right. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. And this, there, this has deep roots in this, this thing. I don't know if you've heard of this called Godwin's Law. I don't know who made this up, but there was a saying, and I don't even know how long ago it was, but they started saying, according to Godwin's Law, anybody who makes an appeal to, say, uh, Hitler or Nazi Germany automatically de facto loses the argument. This is the same image here. And I wonder why they made it up because something we're seeing conspiratorially, at least, is that with Joe Biden and these people saying this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated and the attempt to marginalize or divide the vaccinated from the unvaccinated and, and commit to punishments or loss of job, loss of reputation, loss of everything for those who refuse to get vaccinated, that's really in the image of scapegoating the Jews. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, according to, to Z-Dog, MD, that means you automatically lost the argument by pointing that out. Yeah, he says as much. He says you lose the argument if you point that out. He, literal, right. he literally says that. He's like, I mean, so essentially all the, the, the other side has to do in this, the mainstream uh, side, would have to be like, hey, look, let's get let's get uh, COVID passports, which essentially very obviously marginalizes those who don't want to get vaccines. That's right. And um, you know, you'll you'll be essentially mistreated. You're more or less giving up rights by not receiving the vaccine. The passport enables agents of the state and sort of you know state uh, paramilitary type actors to ascertain whether or not you've received the, the vaccine and you could basically be rounded up and, and uh, isolated and targeted to get, you know, bad things happen to you or to miss out on good things you would want happening to you. And recip soloquitur, the an analogy, the metaphor, the parallel seems to make itself. And yet if you make it, then automatically you're, you're saying false, false things, according to Dr. Z, it, who's, who's pitching himself as this reasonable middle. Right. What she's not. And I want to go back to the kind of the womb of this whole thing and make this point. Dr. Z-Dog says he claims that Peter McCullough is spreading misinformation and he tries to demonstrate it on these three grounds. He says on science, on reason and on logic. And if we take a little closer look at all three of those categories, 
And compared to the kinds of things ZDog says, I think we'll find out that the vast majority of his criticisms are, are silly. Yeah, agreed. So I, think we, I think we're going to demonstrate that throughout this next, next hour. Um, okay, before we go any further, what I'd like to do is to encourage people to go to timothyjgordon.com. We've got new classes coming up next week, uh, opening live. You'll get a live office hour with either me, the professor, or, or whoever else uh, is teaching the course, depending on which one you select. Go to timothyjgordon.com and go to Retrograde Classical Academy. You select that tab, and you can see there are three live classes that begin next week. They're cheaper than they've ever been. There's an intro to the U.S. Constitution class, which is perfectly timed for the release of the biggest SCOTUS holding of all time in American history in this summer. So learn about the U.S. Constitution with me live in a once-a-week class right before the biggest Supreme Court holding ever is released. That's Dobbs versus Jackson's Women Health. Also, we've got a Latin um, second semester of introductory year, which is a live class I offer once per semester, and an exciting Tolkien course taught by my friend Anthony. Uh, Steve, we, we'd also uh, talked about having you teaching an alternative Tolkien course, but it's, it's a great time to register right now because classes are cheaper than they've ever been. And um, besides, if you want to go even a little bit cheaper, we have six or seven pre-recorded classes that you can watch and still have access to the live weekly office hour and interact with me and ask me questions. So it's a really good thing. Go to timothyjgordon.com. Also, I encourage folks out there who live in blue states, and I'm afraid to say this includes our guest, Mr. Steve Rummelsberg, to get yourself to a red state, go to realestateforlife.org to do so. Maybe you're, you're, you're kind of in the middle of a move right now to a red state, Steve, but uh, not everybody is. So go to realestateforlife.org and get yourself from the blue to the red before this gets any crazier. Speaking of beer bug today. Absolutely. I have two acres in Texas, by the way. Yes. So, so, so you don't need real estate for life, but most people do because so, you know, healthy, a portion of my listening and viewing audience are people that live in blue states and need to get out, need desperately to get out while, while they still can. Agreed. Okay. So let me, let me play you this, Stephen. you react to Dr. Z here. Um, here he goes. Sanitizers. This isn't spread on surfaces. I agree. We thought it was early on and we realized we were wrong. I was saying it early on. And I realized I was wrong and I changed my stance on it, which by the way, you really want to look for people who are willing to change their stance in the face of new data. If they aren't, then you know their ideological confirmation bias driven. So he starts out, this is very early, and he starts out saying, look, don't listen to Dr. Peter McCullough. Don't listen to the mainstream media or mainstream doctors on the beer bug because they're unwilling to change their perspective, which is sort of a general boring platitude that's worth saying. But he's admitting that, that at the beginning of all this, two years ago, Doctors were saying this, this thing uh, can be spread by surfaces. And he's like, look at me. I bought into that. And I was telling people that I changed my position since then. So look at my, you know, um, credibility. Look at my bona fides as someone willing to change my position. Here's what else he says. So to pull off his change, he thought this thing was. Okay. So that, that's essentially. The... I'm really familiar with that part. And, and I think there's something really important to be said there. Yeah. He says something like, 
the marker for somebody who's not giving you misinformation is somebody who's willing to change his mind in the face of the data. And that's, a, that's an artifact of scientism. And scientism is the ideology where we think that data, material sciences are the highest way of knowing. And it's really, it's really a, a train wreck if you listen to what he's really saying there. He talks about a guy named Paul Offit, who is a, some kind of pharmaceutical harlot. And Paul Offit said, oh, the pandemic wasn't that bad. And then in the face of all the data, the fake data you just mentioned about the hyper-exaggerated death rate, Paul Offit changed his mind and said it was really dangerous. He says, I'm going to trust him more than I trust Peter McCullough because Peter McCullough never changes his mind. He will hold on to it because for him, it's ego. For him, it's ideology. Now, those are false accusations. And the example he used, and I want to use this here because I want to, I want to tell a quick little story about it, is that when, Paul, when Joe Rogan and Peter McCullough were talking, um, Peter McCullough was saying, listen, there's no clear evidence that you get this thing twice. It's kind of a one and done deal. If you got alpha strain or delta strain, you won't get alpha or delta again, he was saying. And then Joe Rogan said, well, I have friends who've gotten it twice. And, and Peter McCullough suggested, well, maybe it's because it was a false positive. There's just not evidence yet. And he explained what would be required to get evidence of a double, a double case of the same variant. And so it looked like he was saying, and I think, I think uh, Z-Dog MD kind of mischaracterized what Peter McCullough was saying. It looked like he was saying, you'll never get it twice, which I don't think McCullough was saying that. But it turns out three weeks later, Dr. Robert Malone was on the Joe Rogan show. And he, uh, he made this point. He said, Joe, Peter McCullough called me and he wanted me to just explain his theory of one and done. He said, this was before Omicron data came out. So Peter McCullough calls Joe Rogan and says, hey, listen, I'm seeing cases of people who had alpha or delta. They're getting Omicron. So please explain to Joe that I was wrong about that point. And you can get it twice. So, ah, it's really, so yeah. he, he, he thus categorizes himself. In Dr. Z's list of, of good bona fide actors yes. because he admitted that he was wrong. And, and yeah. did Dr. Z acknowledge that? I don't think He's so. finally become trustworthy completely in Dr. Z's eyes. Right. Dr. Z has this, I mean, by and large, I wouldn't say that it's only a creature of scientism to look for as a mark or a mode of credibility uh, someone that's willing to, in the face of new data, reverse his position. I'd say this is a pretty a pretty standard universal human trait of people that are honest and open-minded. They will move with the data. But Dr. Z, I think what you're objecting to, Steve, is Dr. Z, um, he, he shares, there's, there's a really thin line between this basic phenomenon and human truth-seeking and another one where he thinks being a centrist, an alt-middle alt centrist whatever he called it earlier that we were chuckling about is a mark of being a real truth seeker being being wed to veracity in all situations and that's just not true because of course uh well i had this conversation yesterday with michael like literally if if you say hey i'm gonna enslave you tim for a year and i'm like no and then you're like um okay well how about this now i'm gonna enslave you for six months and i'm like no you know, you just offered some sort of, according to Dr. Z, reasonable compromise. Right. And I'm not moving off of my position. Of course, you haven't presented me any new reasons for, for accepting either six or 12 months of slavery. But <laughs> you have offered a compromise and I'm not moving off of my position. So by Dr. Z's standards, 
it sounds as if I, I call them, you know, militant moderates, mm -hmm. people that are obsessed with being in the middle. They think the truth is always in the middle. It's a misunderstanding of Aristotle's golden mean. Um, he would be the reasonable one. And I would be unreasonable for being like, I'm not going to let you enslave me for three months or one and a half months or a week or a day. Uh, right. And, and, and of course, I, this is what happens a lot of times when doctors try to get mixed up without any training, since he's so big on experts yeah. in discussing uh, propositional logic or even just basic argumentation making. Yeah, I think it's, I'm going to give you a tiny bit of pushback on that. I think you're totally right on all of that, except we could say, hey, there was a study done and being six months a slave really makes people happy. So in the face of that data, you should say, oh, the data tells me uh, half a year slave is good, so I should do it. You should change your mind. It's not the data that ought to cause us to change our mind. It's the principled interpretation of the data. And that's another artifact of scientism is he makes an allusion to the idea that, hey, listen, Peter McCullough is not what the consensus, the consensus doesn't agree with him. And we know from St. John Paul II that the truth is not consensus, but the convergence of the mind with reality. And so this is what's happened with him and this fake golden mean. The reason his golden mean is false is because it's materialistically reduced. It's not about virtue. It's not about truth. And so I think that's the biggest concern with his interpretation of this alt-middle tribe he'd like to colonize with. So. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Let me play you another little clip real quick. This, this, is, this is kind of funny. He says, all major institutions, religious branches, governments are under the spell of a mass psychosis, a kind of groupthink akin to Nazi Germany, where people would walk into gas chambers under groupthink. Okay, now you know when you have to say this kind of stuff, you don't, you're not doing science. So let's talk about what he says here. He says, there are these four things that lead you to mass groupthink. One is prolonged isolation, aka lockdowns. Two is taking away things from people, whether it's economic, whether it's rights, whether whatever it is. Three is constant anxiety and fear that's promoted publicly. And four is a single then solution uh, offered by an authority like government, aka vaccinations. Okay. This is not, this is interesting because during this pandemic, yes, this has happened. We have isolated people. We've taken it, we've destroyed social fabric. We've created fear and we've then offered a government messaging that's a garbage message. He's so, making concessions. I think about this. This is not leading to a mass hypnosis to go get vaccinated. It is equally leading to a mass hypnosis that you cannot trust anything the government says or does or pharma that says or does or science or expertise says or does unless it's science or expertise that agrees with my bias against science and expertise like Dr. Peter McCullough. So this again, you know, if you have to start talking about this, you've already lost the argument. And he talks about the effects of mandates on freedom. And that kind of thing. So he's big, again, a, a doctor who's untrained in argument making yeah. is, is big on saying he says this repeatedly throughout his his breakdown of McCullough and Rogan's interview. If you say thus and such, then you've already lost the argument. Right. It, 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 so he repeats that again. If you if you recur to conspiracy theorizing, you've already lost the argument. And, and the way he says it here, Steve. That, that's funny. Um, he uses a sort of byword for it. He says, well, if you're engaged in this kind of reasoning, you're not doing science. So there are a few things he says here. Let me just replay the beginning. <laughs> to say you're not doing science means in his parlance, you don't have the truth. Here's what he says. He says, all major institutions, religious branches, governments are under the spell of a mass psychosis, a kind of groupthink akin to Nazi Germany, where people would walk into gas chambers under groupthink. Okay, now you know when you have to say this kind of stuff, you don't, you're not doing science. So that's like the meanest thing he can say yeah, in his, in his yeah. of arrows, right? That's the biggest cut down. Yeah. And, and again, it's an artifact of scientism or at least a materialistic worldview, because we would probably say, if you do certain things, you're probably not thinking clearly. Right. Right. Because the goal for us is to think clearly and to act ethically or morally. Right. 
And he's just saying something like, you're not doing the science. And what he means by that is you're not following the data. You're not following the, the scientific census. And that's absurd because how many conversations have you had where demonstrably somebody can't even hear what you're approaching as the truth because they've been, they've been involved in this kind of mass formation? I mean, there's a real question as to wh- whether or not this thing is real. Had you heard of the mass formation before? Uh, would, you, would you spell it out real quickly? Yeah, yeah. The way he described it is as there's four conditions. I guess there's some Belgian psychologist named, I can't, Matthias something. I can't remember. But this guy theorizes that when a government, when they, when, when a government wants to like massively brainwash everybody that he's calling mass formation, you, you isolate people. You know, oh, like, were they the four, were they the four uh, prongs that he laid out? Yes. The four prongs he laid out. Should I replay those real quick? And then you can. I got it right here. I got it right here for you. The okay. Pro- prolonged isolation, right? Like the lockdowns, the, um, they take away things like your job and your mobility and things like that. They cause anxiety with this kind of fear porn movement. And then they offer a single solution. Like they funnel you into this thing and say, if you get vaccinated, you'll have all your freedoms back. If you get vaccinated, you'll go back to normal. And I think these were the kinds of things that they did in Nazi Germany to corral the Jews into the concentration camps. And even in the camps did this kind of thing. And it leads to a kind of a massive brainwashing that's kind of evident on television today. And if you talk to a few people in public. Right. And, and to, to begin to head down that path and say, hey, look, I see evidence of A, B, C and D prong. And I'm not sure exactly where we're going with this. But th- this is not lo- ipso facto logically fallacious to start heading down this path and being like, well, wh- whoever the Belgian uh, theorist is that gave us those four conditions, there might or there might not be something to this. That's right. I have a hunch that maybe there is. L- what if I had that hunch that maybe there is? Well, then you Dr. don't believe in Z, science. He, what's that? Then you don't believe in science. Then you don't believe in science. And I'm like, I maybe I don't. I, I mean, the fact of the matter is good science follows good philosophy. Good philosophy tends to follow good theology. Right. And it, of course, like you keep saying, remnants of scientism or legitimate uh, showings of scientism, a cult of science yeah. will will say like, oh, for, for, for science's sakes, right? Instead of for the sake of the deity, weird little substitutions like that and he'll say well you don't believe in what he's saying is truth you're not willing to follow the truth wherever it leads you but he he expresses it by saying you don't believe in science and that's just not you know that's that's not good reasoning on on its own merit to to charge that if someone is uh if someone thinks hey look let's let's explore let's get data which is supposed to be the good scientists watchword and, and let's explore this Belgian brainwashing uh, theorem because there seems to be something to it. Why is the CDC uh, expanding the number of COVID deaths over this period of time by a factor of 17? That seems fishy. Why were we locked in our homes? Dr. Z, Steve, you comment on this. Dr. Z admits, uh, concedes till he's blue in the face. He's like, yeah, I think you know, masking young, um, having the young lockdown, closing schools, maybe the original even two-week lockdown. He says, I think this was overkill and it was bad. How does he account for 
the motivation behind it, the, the strange monolithic globalist motivation behind it, if not by speculating some reasonably about what the motive could have been. He implies conspiracy on both ends, which is the weird thing. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He does. Mis- what is misinformation? A, a coordinated misinformation campaign is a conspiracy by definition, isn't it? Yeah. And he's saying it's on the left and on the right. But the, the interesting thing, he talks about bias in this. Did you hear him? He's like, these are my biases. These are Peter McCullough biases. And he's suggesting we all take a tribal alt-middle bias, I guess, where truth is process. But that's absurd. And, and you sh- we should listen to the three things he says as examples of character assassination against conservatives. Did you, did you remember that part? I do remember the part you're talking about. Do you have that list of three? I, I'm trying to remember. He says, he says uh, these, consp- these conservative guys, they've probably done some nice things for some people somewhere. But here's the other wacky things they do. They believe that HIV is not the cause of AIDS. Right. He was talking about Peter McCullough. He said Peter McCullough had once written that HIV is not the cause of AIDS. And the second or third thing was that Peter McCullough also believes that um, there's some correlation between homosexual behavior and transmission of AIDS. And I was like, that makes him crazy. No, no. Oh, no. It was there's a correlation between homosexual behavior and the shortening of their lives. The shortening of their lives. Yeah. yeah. And then he said there's they suggest there's a correlation between abortion and breast cancer. And then he says they may have done some good things, but they do those things, too. Yeah, I'm like, dude, sign me up for crazy, right? These are just, this is, this is like, sounds like the club of solid reason. That's right. That's right. I didn't hear the abortion breast cancer thing. Yeah, those are literally things that, uh, I I don't know about the HIV AIDS, what is it, 1993? Why are we even talking about that anymore? But through HIV, the shortening of homosexual lifespans, uh, through the, through a behavioral linkage. Sure. Yeah. Amongst sounds... other things, amongst, obviously, it's an unnatural position to hold. Of course. Of course. It, it's not a position to hold. It's an unnatural lifestyle. Right. An unhealthy lifestyle. It's and a of course, yes. yeah, that, that checks out. And of course, uh, the correlation, strong correlation of abortion and breast cancer is also very defensible. So, yeah, and I remember the... when he said that thinking like, OK, sign me up for crazy then, man. Is That's it... right. He's he's giving signposts that he's not this this militant centrist that he claims to be. Centrists are always left favoring, aren't they? Uh, yeah, for the very reason that on the left, they with relativism and subjectivism, you would expect people to disagree and yet still claim to, claim to hold the truth. So it's a tremendously divided and divisive uh, ideology. So it, it wouldn't be on the side of conservatism and unification around truth. So, yeah, it would necessarily be part of the materialistic worldview as opposed to the supernatural worldview or even a worldview that admits of the immaterial. And I, I would I would bet that uh, Z-Dog MD does not admit of the immaterial realities in life. That's my guess. It sounds sounds like a determinist materialist uh, trying to sound like a nice guy to me. Yes. A determinist materialist with a smiley face over it yes. to me, but it, we, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. I never would have guessed this cat is a rapper either. Are you trolling me on that? You, no, you I mean, gotta, it, he's, I haven't he's heard his rapper. rap music, but I have it on good authority that he's a rapper. Oh man. I hope, I hope for, for your sake and my sake and for the sake of hilarity that that's real. Cause you have to see this bald little white guy in like a silk shirt that I'm looking at right now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's, that's just, that's just funny. 
That's I think it's true. I think it's true. And he's, you know, this is the only video I've watched by him in the past. I've, yeah, I've caught glimpses of him explaining things, but for me, I turn off because it's scientism at a glance. But now that we've, I've gone deeply into this, it's, it's really helpful to see that it, it really is scientism and materialism. Even if he were to claim to hold another position, he's advancing the agenda, um, even though he's claiming to, to be against it. And it's ironic because that's kind of a contradiction. And uh, he, he does a lot of accusing of others of internal contradictions, he calls it. Well, one thing that I, I know you wanted to talk about the, the two cities in a second, but one thing that's funny that Dr. Z uh, rapper extraordinaire does that I find a lot on the Internet that really frequently with Internet keyboard warriors is they'll say that's a logical fallacy. And they'll be talking about one of the informal fallacies, right. which is which is different and much, much, much less strictly speaking a fallacy than any of the formal fallacies, That's right. uh, propositional fallacies. So, uh, you know, when he's referring to you adduced someone as an expert when they're not quite an expert and experts, not some official class. Anyway, this is not a formal, one of the formal fallacies, right? A structural fallacy uh, as between major premise, minor premise and uh, syllogistic conclusion. So he's just, ironically not at all an expert in arguments or the structure of um you know logical entailments and yet he's 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 out the other side of his mouth saying people he's tacitly saying people should never speak publicly on that on which they're not an expert so i'm not going to say that's a formal fallacy that's something he would do it's not a formal fallacy it's just idiotic and well uh, it it turns into the ad hominem i'm sorry it turns into the ad hominem attack you're like that's a fake expert and his conclusion is, therefore, nothing they say is true. Right. Even though as one of his fake experts, he had Scott Atlas, Dr. Scott Atlas, who's a radiologist at the Hoover Institute with him in Stanford. And he says he's, he's not an expert in conspiracy theory, so you can't trust him on conspiracy theory, even though most of what he says is true. That's what, right. that's what Z-Dog says about that one. But then he says Robert, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is he's a lawyer. How could he know anything about vaccines? Or right. Pam Popper, she's a naturist, a naturist. How could she know anything? <laughs> so he has all these accusations of fake expert. And is he, I mean, he does claim to be an expert in science, reason, and logic. And I would call him a fake expert in those areas because he's failed so miserably. He, he's not logical. Another sort of backhanded ad hominem he uses heavily in the first six minutes when he's kind of introducing the Joe Rogan interview with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough is he said he, he it's very dishonest. It's profoundly dishonest. He says something like this. He's like, look, you know, Dr. Peter McCullough is, a, is an extreme right winger, you know, saying mis- distrust everything about what you're being told about COVID. And he's like, but he's a, actually a smart guy. This is what Dr. Z says about Dr. McCullough. He's actually a smart guy. And I've talked to some people that worked with him and underneath him. And he actually is in some areas an expert, his favorite word in yeah. this little video analysis he does. He actually is an expert. And therefore, someone that has listened to him, what he says about, uh, you know, uh, anything, any of the directives. Yeah, yeah. Renal, he, he's an expert on the connection between uh, renal and cardiological pathologies. And anyone who's listened to him should not feel completely stupid because he offers lots that's valid. It's like, I, I think Dr. Peter McCullough is 
a, a smart guy. I listen to him and I don't feel a little bit stupid about listening to him. And I'd, I'd love to have a, I don't know, calculus B, geometry B, spelling B, uh, you know, I don't know, sentio logic B against Dr. Z. I'll, I'll go toe to toe, man. Let's have a debate on something. Sure. And um, this is this doctor class phenomenon we see thinking that they're the technicians. And I, I think, I think COVID had forced, has forced this out. No one looks to doctors as the real tech thinkers. You know, I certainly don't. And now who, who does it's, it's scientism that pushes the technician glorified technicians as yeah. the smarties. And really it's only the dummies that are completely uneducated that believe that none of my friends who are really smart that I really admire think like doctors or, or lawyers for that matter are right. the smarties. You think, you think you're, you're, you're good philosophers, mm -hmm. maybe high end real tech scientists, but um, no, no, the doctors or lawyers. No, these are glorified. Sorry, people out there. I, I have a law degree. These are the glorified, um, technicians that you know, the white collar technicians but it's just funny because he says you shouldn't feel completely stupid i'm like well i don't feel stupid at all i think dr peter mccullough is one of the few doctors that really evidences a strong propensity to uh, you know really really um really robust reasoning habitually every time i've seen him and uphold the hippocratic oath where his primary concern is the well-being of people whereas right. you get the idea of z dogs as the well-being of, of the industry of science, of being a doctor. And hey, I want to take that a little further. You talked about, he, uh, he said, oh, I know these people who work with him and he was a great guy and they had a great experience. And they all told me that McCullough's gone off the rails on this whole hydroxychloroquine thing. So he used that validating confirmation of Dr. Peter McCullough and all those people that knew and respected him and used them to say, but they told me he's wrong, which is really right. bizarre. After, uh, I, I think that's within one minute of these words escaping his mouth. Anecdotes <laughs> do not strong evidence make. He says something like that. Anecdotes, <laughs> what, what do they do? And then he tells an anecdote, which he's <laughs> passing off as strong yeah. evidence. Yeah, just another attack on Peter McCullough. Just, just crazy. Let me play you this other clip. I, I hope I have the right one here. This is kind of, it's always funny. And it's, I think, always strengthening to have the clips by the actual guy himself. Absolutely. The first is infection control. Hey, it's not hand sanitizer. It's not hand sanitizers. This isn't spread on surfaces. I agree. We thought it was early on, and we realized we were wrong. I was saying it early on, and I realized I was wrong, and I changed my stance on it. Which, by the way, you really want to look for people who are willing to change their stance in the face of new data. If they aren't, then you know their ideological confirmation bias driven. Thanks, bro, so, Doctor Dre. Yeah, I mean, first that first off, look for people that are willing to change their positions. Thank you, man. I I appreciate that. He's he's going to go through some of the other pillars. And he said I was totally wrong. He said I've been wrong about so many things during this pandemic. And he's a pro vaccine advocate. Well, even if I disagree with Paul on say mandates, I'm going to trust Paul as a source of understanding more, and I'm going to trust someone who will never change their mind based on new information, can never admit they're wrong because they're attached to ego and confirmation bias and protecting their own identity more than they're attached to truth or process. So he's saying why he can still trust one of his normie doctor friends. Yeah. Even though he was uh, his friend disagreed with Dr. Z about uh, lockdowns and mandates. And I was yeah. like, well, that's pretty untrustworthy. So yeah. just the, the simple by simple virtue of the fact that this guy, whoever you're talking about, your friend was willing to change his mind does not make him any more uh, credible as a source. But he goes on. Or an all kind of reasoning. So 
Hope middle. Yeah, like green vomits are not the answer. But then he says oral or uh, nasals, you know, irrigation, betadine, dilute bleach, this kind of thing. Look, who knows? Study that. That's interesting. Decontaminating the nasal pharynx. Maybe there's something there. Um, and he says, you know, mask, infer- mask data is kind of uh, uh, equivocal. I agree. I'm, I'm not arguing with that. I think he's right. Then he says the next pillar would be early treatment. Well, if we had good early treatment, well, the one thing we do have is monoclonals, which we're going to talk about. That's quite good. And then maybe fluvoxamine and maybe other things will come up, right? And we're still studying ivermectin. Which, by the way, when you're talking about something like ivermectin, this is where the mainstream media is off its rocker. When CNN calls it horse dewormer and all of that, it does two things. It shames people that um, that have tried to take it because they believe these experts, you know, these experts that are talking about it. But the second thing is it stigmatizes what is a human drug with a tremendous impact around the world for parasites. And the third thing it does is it stigmatizes people that are still undergoing the trial. Like, how are you going to do a trial without bias, or even a randomized trial, when you're calling this thing horse dewormer in the media? Like, oh, I'm going to enroll for that trial. I want to be the horse dewormer. So he's getting his false bona fide, or, or some bona fides by making some concessions here. Yeah, and that's the most reasonable part of his talk. And, and I think that's true, right? What? How to, how to, how to gain the trust of a, of a right-leaning audience or something like that? Oh, no, just to find that middle ground. Uh, where, where he's absolutely off his rocker himself is to say that CNN and the government and the leftist materialist communist people, that their misinformation and that conspiracy has any kind of equivalent bearing or relationship to what guys like Peter McCullough do. Right, it's just right. Such a bizarre false equivalence. There, there's no relationship between those two kinds of people. No, can we just take a minute and and mind that that truth a little bit? Because yeah. when when you know, generally speaking, good doctors like Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. Peter McCullough, there there are others uh, are like the rest of us reacting to some sort of mass conflation of lies, disinformation, and misinformation that have been foisted on not just us in America, but the whole world all at once, which requires a whole lot of collusion. Um, they're responding with really good science and really good reasoning. Mm-hmm. Take a guy like Dr. Robert Malone, so we're neutral for a second. Really good science and really good on-the-toes reasoning where we're the ones responding, you know, countering and offensive. We were the ones caught off guard, like at Pearl Harbor, right? We're caught off guard and we don't have all the information. We don't understand the motivational forces at work causing this odd diabolic delusion, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of sheet that's been pulled over the world's eyes for the last two years. And so, yes, there is some theorizing, some speculation on the parts of the good guys that might end up errant. You know, that's, that's sure. what, what understanding your margin of error is. Well, so it's like, yes, we're responding to people that essentially by all uh, apparent measures did some sort of ambush and had it planned out some years beforehand. If that's true, then Dr. Z, the, any kinds of little uh, error bars, margins of error in the responsive reasoning from the right are not at all the same kind of thing. They're not even close no. to the errors that are being pushed by the left. These are intentional. It's misinformation. It's disinformation. And it would be part of the collective lie, yeah. any errors coming from the left. So yeah. any kind of equivalency is stupid. Is that oh, what you're stupid. saying? No, there, there's an extreme evil to, to all the media people. And government officials, you know, Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, these people who who really aren't even in medicine. And then you have all these, what are there, 500 frontline doctors and Peter McCullough. And these guys are on the front lines and they're making the claims, even if it's anecdotal, that we're saving thousands of lives with early treatment with ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine and these kind of cocktails of, of um, 
just therapeutics, right? It's so benevolent, the movement. And then all these other people on the left who really don't know anything about medicine. And really, you can't conclude that they care about people just pushing an agenda, the narrative. Yeah, there's, it's so bizarre to me that anyone could give any kind of equivalency to those two sides. Steve, do you remember? Steve and I are, are good friends, have been friends for a long time, went way back. I'll, I'll, I'll share something with the parish orphans and retrogrades out there. Steve was my friend when um, Abby was a lot younger and I was really, really, I've mentioned this before, a bad sufferer of PTSD and hypochondria. So bad that it was like crippling. And a couple times, you know, you actually even drove me to the uh, urgent care or whatever. I mean, I would, I was be up all night feeling my body for tumors. I, when Abby was a young kid, I was so, so upset all the time. And um, I don't know if you remember it, but one of the uh, urgent cares there in Bakersfield, where we used to live together, uh, we used to live very close to each other, was Dr. The Goodly, very, very sharp, Doctors Masihi and Erickson. I remember who were two of the earliest heroes, national heroes, in the COVID mainstream lie pushback. And they got dogpiled on. Did you, did you know I, that? I didn't know that. You might have mentioned that to me briefly. I'm interested. Tell us about These it. guys, so independently, when I, when I became friends with them, and, and uh, my, my kid was in a homeschooling group with one of theirs uh, very, very early on. Um, and we kind of became friends and they helped me work through the hypochondria and the PTSD some. I was like, these are two of the smartest doctors ever. Non-scientism brainwashed doctors, good reasoners. And they cut through a lot of BS. A lot of BS, the way that the, the med establishment interacts with the law establishment really exacerbates anyone who's prone to uh, hypochondria. Oh, sure. And they really helped me cut through a lot of that. And I just got them out of law school. These were a couple of really sharp doctors. And I said to Steph, I said, these are two of the smartest doctors I've ever met, if not the two smartest. 10 years later or nine years later, they are at the front lines fighting against the great big beer bug lie. And they got dogpiled. If you look up Dr. Uh, Erickson and Dr. Masihi, M-A-S-S-I-H-I, in Bakersfield, they just got dogpiled on when they were like, look, this is a lie. They were way out in front of everyone in 2020, February, March. And they made some videos. The videos got pulled down from YouTube. They're really great guys. But anyway, I, I knew these guys and I was trying to get them on the show. But that was when you couldn't even do a video on anything related to beer bug. That all relaxed over the last nine or 10 months here, Good. which is why we can do this video without it getting pulled down. But Good. just a funny private fact. That's wonderful. And I met one of those guys once. I think Dr. Erickson, I met him with you once. Oh, yeah. You, you were with me th at yeah. least one of those times. That's Very right. smart dude. Yeah. You remember? He was like, yeah. Tim, you got a reason about this. He's like, when you, <laughs> when you hear hooves, don't, don't, think, uh, don't think zebras, think horses. I mean, some guys <laughs> have said that before, but he's just really a sharp reasoner. And it's funny because they right. were two of the earliest heroic sort of anti-heroes in the best possible way in this vast conspiracy. Steve, did you want to make your, um, I think your, your, your wider point is a really good sort of outro. It doesn't have to be a fast outro about the two cities. Yeah. The fact that guys like Dr. Z have very little clue how to reason about the more important of the two cities. That's right. That's right. And before I say that, I, I did want to make the point that something that's happened in the schools today is that they've taken the topic of logic and they've changed the name of it. They literally call introduction to logic these days, 
informal logic. And the first thing they teach all these kids is logical fallacies. And Dr. Z really reminded me of the seventh and eighth grade students I used to work with that learned the logical fallacies and like little baby deer with, that are unsteady, just hurl these fallacies around because they don't know what they're doing with them. Right. So before right. you learn anything about definitions, about making proper judgments and sound conclusions, they teach these kids about fallacies. I think that's some kind of plan to, to dumb them down. Um, it, it's in the public schools. I, I could never understand why they did that. It seems to me to be ridiculous. Um, but it brings to mind this fact, you know, the, the great St. Augustine, he, he wrote the book City of God, this wonderful, wonderful book. But his premise is this, is that there are two loves. And from these two kinds of love come two very different cities. And he said the one city is where you love yourself so much that you have contempt for God. And he calls that city the city of man. The other city is, he says, you love God so much that you have contempt for yourself. And he calls that the city of God. We might say something like, when it comes to this kind of conversation, we might say there are those who love themselves so much that they have contempt for truth. And they'll assert that ideological uh, scientism or whatever they have. But then there are those who love truth so much that they'll have contempt for their own opinions of things. Uh, and it's easy to pick a side here. It's easy to see that Dr. McCullough puts love and truth above everything else because every effort he makes is to help people by discovering how to, how to protect them therapeutically from this, from this, what you call it bear bug. Um, and then you've got this, this charlatan, honestly, Z dog. He's a sophist who, who loves his ideology and his community so much that he puts it above truth. But, but, a better way to put this is the way C.S. Lewis put it. C.S. Lewis in Miracles has a chapter called Naturalism versus Supernaturalism. And he says, you are either a naturalist or a supernaturalist. A naturalist says that all there is is material. There's nothing beyond the material. And this is really the worldview of the left. It's the worldview of the schools. At this point, of the doctors in general, probably even of the lawyers, but of the media, of Hollywood. And in this world, if there's nothing transcendent, it, it explains the, this thing that says truth is process. When you say something like truth is process, you're implying that there's no final cause. Right. And right. Uh, the opposite would be true if you're a supernaturalist, where you understand that things have an essence, a form, and that they have natures and purposes. So it's a recovery of formal and final cause, a thing I learned from you about eight years ago, I think, maybe 10 years ago. Um, so here's the real problem. We live in an Orwellian time where abusive speech is prolific. And the, the, the lovely sounding Z-Dog MD was a prolific abuser of speech, of real science, of real reason and real logic. And I don't even think he knows it. And the reason he's abusing this so badly is because he's probably a naturalist. Because... Unlike, unlike us in, uh, Catholics that strive to be in the city of God, we say, listen, there's philosophy and theology. Theology is the womb of all of reality. Philosophy is the handmaiden. And then our experiences in material science can corroborate what we know from first principles in philosophy. So th that, that's the womb in which I think this conversation gets so convoluted. If we can make those distinctions between a naturalist and a supernaturalist, it'll be easy to see why Z-Dog MD is so off base. But if we haven't done that, then Z Dog MD is going to look pretty appealing. He sounds sharp. 
he's probably a great rapper. <laughs> I don't think he is. But yeah. the, more importantly, philosophy will be the great handmaiden if it's honest yeah. uh, to good theology. That's when the world is properly ordered. The intellectual that's tradition right. is properly ordered. Or philosophy becomes, you see this with Z-Dog rapper, dog. Uh, it can become the handmaiden to scientism, data, which is like yes. a pseudo, pseudo-science or, or a pseudo-philosophy of science. And, right. and then it's just sort of drawing cannibalistically from science, uh, philosophical principles, philosophical or logical sounding uh terms that he's misdefining understand uh misunderstanding that's and right. misapplying and that's i think what z-dog's doing like when he he keeps saying oh this is a logical fallacy and it's like well it's it's a it's an informal it's an informal fallacy which can which can still be right like that's there's right. not a um uh sential or a propositional error that is necessarily happening when a non-expert purports to speak on something that I guess Dr. Z thinks only an expert should speak on. You could still have two, two premises, a major premise, a minus, minor premise that entail, which means require, a logical conclusion that's, that's valid. That's and right. it can still be structurally valid, even if you have a non-expert like um, you know, Kennedy uh, making a claim as a non-doctor. It's like, well, he can still get it right. That's right. So you see this happen, like I said before, on the internet a lot. You see it happen with non-logicians and non-philosophers a lot. They're like, that's a logical fallacy. And it, ha it comes down to what you're saying, Steve. They teach the first thing in like a logic 101 class, all of these informal fallacies. They're like, that's a red herring. That's a, that's right. that's, that's a you know, slippery slope fallacy. That's a, appeal to authority. Yeah. Yeah. Appeal to authority. It's like, well, that doesn't mean that, <laughs> that the uh, proposition is necessarily false. It's usually a good sign that something false is about to happen or has happened but it's just an instance of philosophy will always tend to be either the handmaiden of theology, theology in the city of god or in most cases it, it becomes the kind of nefarious handmaiden of this cult of scientism which yeah. is the way that dr z was using it did you yeah, have any you closing might, you might say slave you might say slave that makes science scientism it makes reason rationalizing and it makes right. logic illogical. Of course, it's an abuse, just an abuse of the sciences. So that's good. That's good. Any parting shots with this or anything else you wanted to get out, even if it doesn't, sometimes it's hard to line up the points the way sure. the host me like lined them up chronologically. Is there anything you just wanted to dump in this? Any more no, analysis in closing? There was so much for me, there was just so much there that, that uh, required us to kind of look, deeply at it, I would highly recommend listening to this and seeing this as kind of the poster child of the distinction between those two cities and how it is we can, we, people can be manipulated and confused. I don't like the word misinformation. I'd rather just say a lot of things that Z-Dog said just weren't true. Right. And, and they were a misinterpretation of many things that Dr. Peter McCullough said. Pay attention to these things. We're not going to claim that Peter McCullough is right on everything. We don't know. But, uh, but it is obvious that a lot of things that Z-Dog said were just not true. And he's a public figure and he has a responsibility to order his speech to truth in the service of others. But I'm afraid instead he's serving himself and an agenda. Can't say the one on the self. I don't know. He might be very selfless, but he's uh, in, he has the wrong worldview. That's for sure. 
What I'm very comfortable concluding by saying is that there's a fallacy of emphasis that happened from start to finish. Every minute that I saw of Z Dog's video, Dr. Z, he was he was saying, look, I'm this middle. There's a fallacy in saying that the truth is always in the middle because it's not. That's something dumb people say. Yeah. But he, what he would do is he'd say, look, I'm I'm in the middle. Like you can only listen to me. Don't listen to the mainstream left. Don't listen to the dissident right, like Dr. Peter McCullough on Beer Bug. Listen to me. But then anytime he would bring up a way that he disagreed with someone on the left, you know what he'd always do? He'd be like, well, they're still trustworthy, though. By and large, as a person, my friend's still trustworthy. He was wrong about mask mandates and about lockdowns and about all this really important stuff that should, by and large, invalidate the guy's uh, point of view. Uh, going forward but then he'd be like but but hey he was willing to change his position on this little thing he followed the cdc when the cdc jumped from position a to a prime so i still believe him but what he was saying thoroughgoingly was that dr peter mccullough because he's this one premise because dr peter mccullough hasn't changed his position much which is a good marker of either someone's crazy and wrong or principled and right But he was using that against him. And he's like, even though I don't agree 100% with the left or 100% with the right, the left is really better because they're willing to change their position, which, of course, the mainstream lie on beer bug changes every week. So they're going to have that wheel in their wheelhouse. Dr. Peter McCullough won't. So even though he's claiming to be in the middle, at every step of this psyopy video, he's really giving the nod to the left and saying, oh, absolutely. This round, round one goes to the left because even yeah. though I, I, I don't agree with them, I don't agree with the right, they changed their position. So listen to the left. Round two really goes to the left. Round three really goes to the left. It's very nefarious, very sneaky what he was doing. It, it is. And he even says in the middle of it, he's like, listen, there's misinformation on the left and the right, but the, the right's the one I really worry about. Right, right. You know, he, he, says that, he says that near the end. It's clearly gives the nod to the left and he himself and with biases he says uh here's their biases here's peter mccullough's biases and there's confirmation bias and here's my biases just so you know right like oh we can really trust that guy yeah very trust- and it works but dude yeah. this stuff i see this stuff happen on these kind of petty disclaimers i see them happen on trad social media all the time catholic social media all the time right wingers you see them do it Generally speaking, you do a few cheap throwaway points and people are like, oh, I can really trust him. It's, yeah. it's, it's funny. It, it, it makes Stockholm syndrome and all of these strange psychological operations that are afoot in the 20th and now 21st century much less staggering. Whereas when yeah. you were a kid growing up, you thought adults really had their stuff together. That's and right. you'd never think that this kind of psyop could be effectuated with such efficiency at such a large scale but 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 boy we were wrong adults do not have their stuff together no they don't (laughs) we're in a lot of trouble no we're in a lot of trouble d-dog shows us i i I still don't believe he's a rapper but steve look i love you man uh you're you're a great dude i would love to have you on the show again about some other issues we've talked about but we'll talk about those in real time thanks for joining me people thanks for watching Continue to like, subscribe, click the notification bell, leave a comment. And I will put this Dr. Z, you know, Dr. Dre, Snoop, Snoop Dizzy D rapper, doctor at Stanford. 
in the uh in the com box in the in the comments and i'll also put joe rogan's interview of dr peter mccullough there too so people go find it find the truth be seekers after the truth even if that means you have to stick to your guns sometimes contrary to what dr z says day is volt people god bless you all steve thanks again thanks again bro peace